0: It's such an honor to be here today with you. Um, as the wife of a bishop, the bi- your bishop, I do feel like I'm a mother to all of you, even if I don't know all of you. Um, hopefully today you'll feel drawing near to the embrace of a mother who only desires that you grow fully into your personhood and the family of God. I was struck by the ironies of my own motherhood this week as I prepared this teaching I get up very early, and I was in the zone, and I was praying and writing, and my seven-year-old Beckett pattered down the stairs. He laid down next to me on the floor, put his feet up on the chair next to me, and mindlessly started singing, I give myself away, I give myself away, give myself away so you can use me, you know that worship song. And I was so warmed and thought, this is so apropos, this is what I'm writing about, And all of a sudden, I heard him say under his breath, Beckett John Ruck dies of starvation at the hands of his own mother. (laughs) So this is the emotional roller coaster of a mother. I'm doing so well. I feel so warm about what I'm doing. The next minute, I'm a terrible mother. My child is not flourishing because of my poor mothering. I'm actually spiritually mothering others while my own child starves on the floor here. So I want to address those of you who are mothers here today. This talk is for all women and all men, but specifically mothers' peace to you. It's easy for things to be stirred up when we talk about what a mother does because you think about all the things you haven't done. Um, I feel the same way. I'm at the stage of parenting in which I have college-age students coming back to me, very articulately telling me the deficiencies in my motherhood. And they've been great. They've been better at talking to me than I was with my parents. Um, And they've been fruitful, yes, but some painful conversations when I realized that I've had to humble myself before the Lord and say, I still have to grow. I still have limitations in my own heart to giving myself away. So motherhood has many layers. We represent so many, so much to so many. And this is God's design, actually. But we live it out with so few. This is the textured work of motherhood, to be so practically in this moment, in time, while imparting something that's way beyond ourselves, something eternal. This is the call to every woman that I want to address today. But if we fail on the embodied level, we lose the eternal as well. Motherhood is fraught with many expectations from without and within. And I trust today that we can hear the call into the heart of the Father who lifts us up above the political fray, lifts us up out of our own internal uh, raging dialogue into his own heart where we can hear his voice of blessing and formation. Here's what I hope will happen today. For women, I hope you will just be able to move more deeply into surrendering to the call of motherhood, sacrifice for it, and enter into what God's calling you in the church and the world. Men, I hope you will come more deeply into honoring and valuing the call of motherhood, that you will sacrifice for it, understanding that your life began in the womb of a mother. Last year, a book came out by Erica Komisar. She describes herself as a secular psychoanalyst, and this book is entitled Being There, Why prioritizing motherhood in the first three years matters. Comisar tells the story of being a psychoanalyst who over the 30 years of her practice began to see the rise in depression, rise in ADHD in boys. She began to form a theory that the common denominator in the lives of all these children was the absence of a mother. It was not what she wanted to see, but it's what she came to see. This thrust her into years of brain research, during which she discovered the uniqueness of the mother in the development of a child's personhood, down to the very hormones that she releases that are different than the release of the hormones in the the father. Research in epigenetics, psychology, and neuroscience supported her assertion that mothers are biologically necessary for their babies. Babies are much more neurologically fragile than we've ever understood. Komissar goes on to assert that what was the most painful in the course of her research is that it got no traction in the broader world. The Wall Street Journal reported on this in an article entitled, The Politicization of Motherhood. In this article, Komissar described the icy cold reception to her research. Many dismissed her as saying, how dare you? You're going to make women feel guilty or you are going to set women back 50 years. Komissar was shocked to find that no one really cared about her research. Or worse, no one really cared about the children whose development depended on mothers adjusting their priorities because of the research. Everyone was just scared to death of losing their own identity or feeling guilty. Now I'm not here today to make anyone feel guilty. Mothers can feel guilty about anything and everything. But as hopefully I cast a vision for the irreplaceable, foundational, primal, and yes, endangered place of the mother in our world, I'm sure many emotions could surface. Guilt, loss, pain, desolation, From hearing the vision of motherhood and becoming more aware of its absence in your own life, in your own formational life. These are all emotions that could lead us to shut down or they could lead us to open up to the presence of the Holy Spirit who is always breathing life into us. He wants to bring freedom today. So I pray that today you can be present to His voice above all other voices. God has given the church and the world spiritual mothers. Mothers who minister that feminine formative presence to all those God brings into their circle. To be spiritual mothers and for you men to support spiritual motherhood and encourage it um, and indeed receive from spiritual mothers, which you all need to, um, we need to address the mother crisis in the world. Women feel that what is really affirmed is the sexualized posture in women, that false feminine. This is what people want from me. Sometimes, though, we react to that by becoming over-masculinized. I will protect myself with a tough exterior. I will not be vulnerable. Though every person in the world, every person, longs for the iconic gaze of a mother, the embrace, the touch of a mother on a fevered brow, fewer and fewer women want to be that. Fewer women want to be that for one or two or more. The world has been telling women that they have so much more to contribute to society than being mothers. Indeed, my daughter, who is a senior in college, has felt patronized whenever she's mentioned desiring to be a mother. What is communicated is that motherhood should not be a primary goal. It should be, at best, a side activity. And because women bring children into the world and don't understand that they have a unique impartation in the formation of personhood in the next generation, or because it competes with their own understanding of their needs for actualization, they often neglect that simple hidden work that their very presence accomplishes in the impartation of life to the next generation. Because of this, more and more adults are released into the world still desperate to be nurtured into their full identities. So we need a call back to the home. But we also need a call to the home of the church where those being born again into the church can be nurtured into their full identity in the family of God. I'm here to delight in the plan of God for women. We will never have a better idea than God had. It is very good. I give glory to his name today for his creation for me as a woman and for all of you here who are women. God is telling a real story. He's telling a cosmic story. The story is about his love for creation. It's a story about how he's bringing us, his created beings, into unity with him. In this story, he chooses the icon of marriage to communicate his love, that icon of family. The Bible begins with marriage between Adam and Eve, very particular human beings, and progresses to the end with marriage of God to his people, the cosmic story. In our bodies and individual lives, we tell part of this story. By living the particular, thereby imparting the cosmic. By representing aspects of God's story that are so much larger than ourselves. We actually don't need to worry about the cosmic story if we just live the particular one. In other words, we're assigned symbols that we represent that tell part of what God's communicating to the world. He's created male and female. In doing so, He reflects His image to the world. God has revealed himself to us as father and we are all the church. Every one of us here represents the church and every one of us within the church are called to imitate Christ. When the apostle Paul though gives his instruction about marriage, he makes it clear, I'm speaking of Christ and the church. So in the broad overarching story, We are all the bride of Christ, but in the individual sacramental representations, the husband is called to represent Christ in a particular iconic way, and the wife is called to represent the church in a particular iconic way as the bride of Christ, church as feminine. It was the church fathers then that began to call the church our mother as she was the feminine in the bridal union. We did not choose these roles in God's drama. God chose them. We did not audition for parts. God assigned them. It is our ultimate joy and fulfillment if we can walk into an acceptance of them and then live into them as fully as possible. In God's design, when we live into the great story, we don't lose ourselves. We actually find ourselves. Five of my six children play soccer. Every soccer player starts out wanting to be the goal maker. Ah, the glory of making goals and assisting with the goals. But my oldest son, Ellison, kept being put in a defensive position, center back, and he hated it. He would describe the pressure of waiting and then seeing the ball coming down the field towards you. You cannot go toward it, you're just waiting preparing yourself for all the possibilities of assault. The goalkeeper is yelling at you from behind. The mistakes of the midfielders are becoming your problems. And if the ball makes it to the goal, it's usually your fault. Over the years, we kept telling Ellison, if you want to play soccer, you have to submit to the position that the coach is putting you in. His coach kept telling him, you're so good in this position and we can't win a game with a bunch of attackers. We've got to have our defensive players. Over time, Ellison began to own his position. He actually began to love it. Hearing him talk about this position with other center backs now is like listening in on a club of unsung heroes that encourage one another in what they do and who they are. He would now say that he's made to be a defensive center back how easy it is in the design of life to want all the roles or the ones that get the most recognition or to want only the blessings of all the, lo- the roles but not the limitations of the one role. But how beautiful it is when we can understand that it's a team that's required to advance God's kingdom. And if I can own my position, if I can celebrate my part, indeed, if I can take authority over my area. That's what God gave in the beginning was authority. I may just find that I was made for this. So today I'm speaking to what it means for a woman to take her iconic place in the kingdom of God as a mother. Adam called Eve mother of all the living. This is one of the strongest scriptural arguments for every woman a mother. She was called a mother before she ever bore a child. When Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, The curse she sustained went straight to her identity, both as a wife, it said, you will look to man for your identity, and a mother, you will have pain in childbirth. And then God made clear that there would be a particular enmity between the serpent and the woman, a very particular enmity between the two. Throughout history, we have seen this pointed attack on women. Throughout history, her identity, her value, the very things she represents in the kingdom of God have been twisted, they've been under attack. We see this in Revelation, how the dragon waits for the woman to devour her offspring, and then he pursues her. Satan's attack on women has been comprehensive He came to Eve knowing she would be the mother of humanity. Satan hates humanity. He hates people. He has put a sword between man and woman, and he is now trying to separate woman from her motherhood. Make her despise this very gift that she has created to bestow on the world. If he can make her view this role in the universe as small, insignificant, burdensome, and even, catch this ironically, as something that steals from her her own womanhood. How twisted is that? That motherhood would steal from her her own womanhood. Then he has accomplished a multifaceted blow on humanity. Fewer people will be born, which he loves. Fewer of those born will be nurtured into personhood. And woman herself will be stripped of the joy of participating in her iconic part of the kingdom story. But in the coming of Jesus, you know, we're not called to live in the curse, we're called to live in the redemption. We see these two callings of woman restored as a bride and as a mother. The Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, who the church fathers called the new Eve, to bring forth a son. Mary becomes the mother of Jesus. In our two passages today, so uh, the passages got a little scrambled and the one that I sent wasn't the one read, but I so loved the Ruth passage, I thought, wow, another mother passage. That's great. Let's go with it. But what I had had was one that you've heard a lot in this series, so you're fine. I think you have it memorized. It's chapter two um, in Genesis. So we see in that passage in the fall of Eve, we see a fallen angel Coming to Eve, casting doubt on God's word. In the gospel passage today, we see the visitation of the messenger angel straight from the throne of God. Like a new Eve, Mary is about to be redeemed by the child of her own womb. God is giving her another chance to submit to his call, to embrace his word, to trust in his design. This angel does not inspire doubt and suspicion. This angel inspires fear of God and faith. Eve's grasping for something that looked good but was not in God's design introduced death. Mary's belief in God brought new life. This life would come how? In childbirth. I have always been deeply awed and blessed as a woman that God's redemption plan was particular for me as a woman. Not only did God restore Adam by coming himself as a man, as the new Adam, but he restored woman by coming through the womb of a woman. He didn't just appear as an adult. He actually went into the womb of a woman, the very place that had been cursed by the fall. God's restoration of humanity depended on woman giving birth. Eve grasped outside of the design Mary receives within the design. Be it done unto me according to your will. Eve doubted the fulfillment of God's word. Mary believed the fulfillment of God's word. I have in my bedroom many different artistic prints of mothers with children, It's a whole artistic genre. If you go to the Art Institute, oh my goodness, how many paintings are there of mother and children? A mother holding her infant or looking into the eyes of her young child or holding the hand of her toddler. It is an iconic longing of every person to be in the loving, safe embrace of a mother. Motherhood is something so cosmic and foundational, poetic and artistic, that to capture it in words is already a diminishment of what it is. The iconic portrayal of a woman embracing and nurturing the next generation is the call to all of us women. Some of the people I've learned the most from about motherhood have been celibates in history. They have embodied motherhood in the world, in their workplaces, in the ministries that God's given them, in the church, But to look at what a spiritual mother does, we have to look at what a biological mother does because a spiritual mother is imparting the cosmic element of that. So a biological mother and a spiritual mother provide three things, presence, cultivate a place, and they impart personhood. A mother provides presence. It may seem obvious, but a biological mother cannot do this great work of motherhood except by first providing her very body. She has to be there. Then her body creates an environment which allows this new life to gestate in a hidden place and releases it to the world as something totally new. Mothers are called to participate in a, new, in a unique way in hidden realities that sustain the universe simply by being there. Many opportunities will clamor for our energies, our time, our leadership, our creativity, but we must always prioritize this call to nurture the next generation in an embodied way. We see this in Mary, offering herself to God to participate in God's plan of redemption at great cost to her own future. We respect Mary. We cannot imagine Mary not investing her life for baby Jesus And then it is growth into manhood. We cannot even imagine Mary deciding to pursue an avenue for herself, for her own advancement. Maybe a speaking tour on what it was like to be visited by an angel. To be ostracized for the sake of the kingdom of God, which she was. Traumatized by childbirth in a desolate cave away from her family. I'm traumatized when I read that story. And it was like, what it was like to stand by Jesus in his hour of sorrow and desolation. no. What Mary gave was herself, her body, to Jesus and to the world. We cannot so distance ourselves from her that we cannot hear the same call to us today. Jesus said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. To receive a little child in the name of Jesus is like we are receiving him. That's what Jesus said. How would I treat Jesus if I were his mother? This is what Jesus is asking us to do for the little ones he gives, both biologically and spiritually here in the church. Motherhood requires presence. Our bodies tell us that. But we also know that it's not enough to be physically present. Especially in this day and age, it's easy to be physically present, but not emotionally or spiritually present. We find ourselves, I find myself sometimes even, gazing at my screen while questions from my children get repeated over and over and over again. What it takes to stop and gaze in the eyes of a little one and listen, to be present in the room, body, soul, and spirit. This is something you can provide for everyone in your life. What would happen if every woman in this room just began to be present to another, just to provide her presence, Even in the workplace, somewhere where you begin to listen to others, you begin to think of their advancement. How can I help this person grow and mature and flourish? Receive the ones that Jesus puts around you, no matter how fragile, how difficult, how needy. These are the ones the Lord is sending to be healed, to be nurtured into maturity. Give them attention. Pay attention to sacrifice, right? You're paying something pay attention, look at them, listen to them, pray for them, provide for them. Edith Stein, a German Jewish philosopher who converted to Christianity and later became a discalced Carmelite nun is someone who I've always admired. She was killed in the Auschwitz concentration camp. She wrote a series of essays on womanhood. Here's a woman who never bore a child in her body, but she championed, cause of motherhood in the world. She saw that the world needed mother. That's what the world needed. This is from her um, quotation that she said, the world doesn't need what women have, it needs what women are. Just your presence, your attention, your relational connection, your acceptance of others will begin to bless others with something immeasurable. Begin noticing, pay attention. How can you bless others with a sense of presence? I started noticing noticing years ago, one of my son's soccer coaches who was running the whole AYSO program. He had a common law marriage with a mentally unstable woman. And so he always had his children with him while he was trying to, to navigate this huge program. So I thought, he needs to be cared for. So I asked him what kind of coffee he liked. And every Saturday... I just brought him coffee out on the field. And every Saturday, he would give me back the, the mug from the week before. This only cemented a friendship with his family that opened up many other opportunities for us with them. My mother was a kind of person like this. She thought of the people around her all the time. I remember delivering Christmas dinners of people working for people who were working night shifts in the city, so at the police station or the fire station. We would go and carol people who lived under bridges um, on Christmas night. A mother in our neighborhood noticed that during the summer, one boy just rode his bike around and around and around because no one was at home. I just found it irritating that he was always at the door asking to play with my kids. The mom told him, this mom, who had more of a vision, told him, come to lunch at my house every day he would come to lunch at her house and she saw the opportunity. She did a Bible lesson for her children at lunchtime every summer day. She simply offered embodied connection in her presence. So besides that embodied connection, we create a place. A woman is the only one, between male and female, that has an organ in her body that exists solely for the next generation. It has no function for her personally. It is literally a part of her body that is for someone else, specifically the creation of new human beings. A mother has a unique connection to the next generation. A mother's connection to the next generation is most primal, most fundamental. A father's role is also crucial, but it is very different. A mother imparts life to a new person by first creating a quiet home in which that person can unfold, unfold, In safety and blessing, every fragile development having a hidden place to unfurl. When this new person is released on the world, the mother alone has that fragile yet primal bond with this little one who so trusts her. In fact, does not know himself apart from her. So she must continue to provide a home where then the development of personhood can continue She cannot too early release this delicate being into the world. The body of a woman creates a place for another being. And in a similar way, the soul of a woman creates a place for another. And this is how the the woman can create a home and a place for others as a spiritual mother. There was a dear person in our lives when he was in um, rehab, He said to me, we were supposed to imagine a safe place that we could always come back to, and I always imagined your kitchen table while you're making dinner. That's all I provided for him was to be there in my kitchen. The body of a woman creates this, but the soul of a woman even more so. Edith Stein says The woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. The soul of woman must be expansive and open to all human beings. It must be quiet so that no weak flame will be extinguished by stormy winds. Warm so as not to be numb, fragile buds. Empty of itself in order that extraneous life may have room in it. Finally, mistress of itself and also of its body, so that the entire person is readily at the disposal of every call. This is a high calling. Imagine if all the women of this congregation could answer that call, to be a shelter where other souls unfold. The spiritual mother feeds and nurtures a life that is coming into personhood through attention bonding, blessing, and dialogue. Do you know that there's a part of the brain that develops through dialogue? She is more concerned with nurturing and releasing the next generation than she is with her own advancement and fulfillment. And that's why she has, I believe, a very unique way to live out the Christian life by going down into the earth like Jesus did as a seed, dying to self, releasing new life, multiplying herself, much more than the equivalent of one person. Mary bodily released Jesus into the world. If we're married, women, we're called to release new people into the history of the world, like Ruth did. Unless, of course, there's some physical impossibility. And then to expand our motherhood to those in our circle. But if you are unmarried or unable to bear biological children or have not yet, you have more availability to throw yourself in to releasing new spiritual children into the world. And the world is a motherless place in need of women who have arms available. I discovered I was a spiritual mother long before I became a biological mother to my own children, the first of which came along at age 33. So those of you, you could still have 7, 14, whatever. When I was in my early 20s, I went to teach high school in Brazil. I was assigned a class for which I would be the homeroom teacher. I would also be teaching them to academic subjects. I realized that as a new teacher on the block, I had been given the most rebellious, difficult, and mischievous class in the school. They were under administrative discipline, I've never even heard of this in any other school, when I came in as a first-year teacher. I fell in love with these students. They were bright, they were hyperactive, they were challenging. I prayed for them regularly, sitting in their different desks after they had gone home. I began to create a little home for them. I got a couch for my classroom. I created a coffee station with a mug rack on which students could hang their mugs. This is Brazil, of course, where everybody drinks coffee. I discovered we had a lot of artists in the class. So I got permission for them to paint scenes of literature and quotations from literature on the walls, which they did on a day off. Slowly, they began to settle and unfold academically, spiritually, and relationally. They became more disciplined. Eventually, a kind of revival broke out among the students, and God did a surprising work among them. Now, I didn't go into that place thinking, I'm 24 or whatever, I'm going to be a mother, But it happened naturally to be among them, love them, to hear about their family's struggles and sorrows and to create a place for them. I'm sure some of you in your places of work have already found that this happens. If you have an open heart to the Lord, they come to you like a magnet. Don't be ashamed of it. Bring it into your community, into your neighborhoods, into the church. So while a woman's providing her presence and a place, what she's doing through those is imparting personhood. And she didn't even go into it, I'm going to impart personhood today from 9 to 12. Um, just by being there and just by living it out and just by being present and creating that place, the personhood is imparted. The gift of her presence is has this uh, vehicle then, embodied vehicle of personhood to be passed on. You lose motherhood, the world becomes a disconnected place. It's what we're living in right now. It is sobering for a woman to be so needed in this deep way in the formation of personhood. The whole human race has a dependency on a woman that is very unique. Isn't that also dignifying? That God would choose us to play such a part in the survival and the health of the generations to come in this secret and hidden way. Indeed, that God would make himself vulnerable to say, I'm dependent on the yes of women. Just by being who we are, by being present, by creating a home, a safe shelter, we're imparting personhood one by one. We must retake authority over this gift God has entrusted to us. As I try with my own limited words to paint the picture of motherhood, I hope you can see How home is the first place where these gifts are imparted? The home you grew up in, maybe was or wasn't imparted, but should have been. The home that you are currently forming and the home of this church. But the church is not only an extension of the home uh, where this is imparted. It becomes the place where what was never imparted can be restored. It is a place where what was lost can be given. This work of the church, though, often happens in the homes of its people. Through hospitality, I'm so excited to hear that this is a priority here. Through food, through conversation. It is in the church that the presence of God is ministered. It is a shelter in which one who is born again can unfurl into its full calling, become all God dreamed him or her to be, where true identity is received and blessed. The church father, Bishop Cyprian, said, when speaking of the church as our mother, from her womb we are born. By her milk we are nurtured. By her spirit we are given life. She watches over us for God. She seals her sons to whom she has has given birth for the kingdom. He cannot have God as his father who does not have the church as his mother. Usually when I get on an airplane... I get on assuming God has ministry for me to do. I do not particularly want to do this. I'm an introvert, and I would definitely rather sleep or read on the plane. But it does seem like an opportunity that really presents itself in our culture anymore, a conversation with a stranger who has no option but to be next to you for sometimes a few hours, and in some cases, day or night. So I just assume that God will want me to be available Because of this, I end up in conversations that last the entire flight. And Stuart will keep looking over at me sometimes. Still going, wow. I don't feel good at this conversation, actually. But the Lord does seem to select the people I'm supposed to sit with. Stuart gets it done quickly, you know. Straight to the point, converted on. (laughs) And I'm the one that doesn't have the evangelism gift, but I... Want to enter into God's plan. This last year, I was flying from one city in Brazil to another city in Brazil. I tucked into my seat, I pulled out my Bible to read, and I saw the young man settling next to me was getting out his Bible. I sighed in relief. At least I wouldn't have to (laughs) evangelize. I commented to the young man, Marcelo, who was next to me, that it looked like we were both about to read our Bibles. Was he a believer? What unfolded was the most Holy Spirit-inspired conversation that perhaps I've ever had on a plane. Marcelo on that very day was leaving his family, his fiance, his property, his job to be a missionary in another part of Brazil that was more needy. This young man had already been used by God at age 25 to bring a revival in his city by drawing together youth of all different denominations to gather in the plaza to pray to call on the Lord to worship. They were seeing miracles and conversions. He began to tell me a little more of his story. His father was involved in the occult, and Marcelo had had to learn how to live with demonic opposition in his own home. Then he told me about his mother. As a believer, she had disobeyed the Lord and married his father. He said his mother had had a call in her life to serve the Lord, but had turned from it. He told me that the Lord clearly said to him one day, I called your mother to obey me in specific ways which she denied. Will you take up the call of your family? He said that he had to obey the Lord. And in this case, it meant leaving everything to go where God was calling him. He told me that his mother had created so much opposition and put up so many barriers that had been extremely difficult for him even to get out. Even that very day, he said, she chased the car down the street as I left for the airport, yelling, don't leave me. Please don't do this to me. Marcelo sat there in obvious pain, even shaken in his resolve. I said to him, Marcelo, God has sent me to you today as a mother. I'm not your mother, but I'm a mother in the church who can bless you and encourage you today. I am sent to tell you the words of Jesus. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. I was able to minister to him, to pray for him, impart that motherly blessing that delivers him to the world, having been nurtured and confirmed in who he was called to be. The Lord knew that in the absence of the blessing of his own biological mother, he needed the blessing of a spiritual mother to be free to go into that next season of his life. But not only did he need that blessing, God needed me to be available to impart that blessing to him. My heart was singing when I got off the plane. God had used me in spite of my own selfish inclinations. He had also ministered hope to me for the next generation. Women, we have this beautiful, precious jewel, but it is fragile and it is vulnerable because it is so priceless. It's something that we've been given to give the world, which is the gift of motherhood. Yesterday, I received a little phone video from Nigeria where Stuart is preaching um, some revival meetings, And it's a choir of African women, all dressed in beautiful matching dresses with that great fabric that they have. And they're singing, We are faithful women who will stand in the gap. Lord, give us power to build your world. I thought, How perfect! Let us join our African sisters and build God's kingdom here. Thank you, Lord.